It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest breaking news stories, an outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of November. You're listening to Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer, on Talk Radio. As well as listening, you can, of course, also watch the show live. Talk Radio is now on your TV. Download the Talk Radio TV app or go to the talkradio.tv for details on how to watch. Coming up, the Queen has urged world leaders to rise above the politics of the moment during a video message at the COP26 summit in Glasgow, as more than 100 world leaders have promised to end and reverse deforestation by 2030. Meanwhile, French President Emmanuel Macron has extended the deadline for sanctions against the UK while talks over post-Brexit fishing rights continue. Le climb down, I think we'll call it. And the Archbishop of Canterbury has apologised for likening the threat of climate change to the Nazis, while saying political leaders will be cursed if they fail at the COP26 summit. The time is coming up to 6.34. This is Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Well, COP26 is dominating the political news, but um, I would say not entirely sure it's dominating most of the lives of uh, the rest of us mere mortals who don't have private jets uh, to make our way to Glasgow. In. Uh, but uh, you can uh, see that, I mean, the news is 24-7 on most uh, uh, TV and radio stations now. COP26 this, COP26 that, and all the pledges, all the non-pledges, and how we're all going to die in a horrible fireball or be drowned or in a drought delete as appropriate uh, what they're claiming this week if we don't take action now uh, you know one minute to midnight and all of those claims well the queen got in on the act last night uh, and she gave a much more measured uh, actual uh, address to the leaders at COP yesterday then we certainly heard from a number of people who've spoken out uh, and uh, was uh, trying to sort of cause you know call for unity. This, of course, came, as I just mentioned, after the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, she had apologised for comments in comparing climate change to the Holocaust. Uh, frankly, extraordinary times we're living in. Lots more stories to talk about. We'll get to a lot of those. But first, of all, I do want to discuss this with Bobby Freeman. He's a barrister and he's a political commentator and he's joining me all this morning on Talk Radio. Good morning to you, Bobby. Good morning, Julia. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, what do you make generally of the COP26? Uh, uh, I suppose, um, I mean... <laughs> I was going to say, it feels like a festival, but it's like the worst festival ever. Um, I mean, it, it, it all looks incredibly grim. They haven't even got hot water at the COP26 site. It's because apparently, you know, because climate change. Um, and, and all of these hyperbolic statements that everyone's making, what, what do you make of it all? It's kind of like that work conference that uh, nobody wants to go to and then everyone gets forced to go to, isn't it? I mean, it's... 
I don't think any of us should underestimate the, the size of the issue uh, with, with climate change. And obviously, it's good that the world is, is grappling with it. But it, it's, it's one of those conferences that makes you feel a bit uncomfortable uh, when you do see the way that people are coming in on private jets, having huge motorcades, while at the same time talking about climate change. And you feel like the, 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 the people who are, who are really responsible are going to determine whether we actually stop the world heating up and not really participating that strongly in the in the conference but, uh, countries like china we saw yesterday with india setting a, a target of 2070 of carbon neutrality which is basically saying well we're we're not really very bothered so you feel like we as as nations in the west uh, are being asked to do to do lots and i don't disagree with that but the trouble is if if we do it but the rest of the world doesn't then What's the point? Well, there, there is that. And we did have the pledge from India yesterday of net zero by 2070, 20 years after uh, the rest of the world is pledging. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the 2050 date plucked from thin air. Um, a lot of this, we have to hit, we can't go more than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrialised temperatures or the world is going to be on fire. Again, that's not what the IPCC reports say. That That's simply not based on the science at all. Um, this idea of runaway heating. That this, this is These are computer models which have wild variations. Not a single computer model, by the way, has been remotely correct so far. So I do think we need to take the pinch of salt a lot of the hyperbole. I think it's a very good argument for moving away from fossil fuels to, to cleaner energy. But that, to me, is about technological innovation, not about um, uh, basically immiserating the planet and preventing certainly the billions in the uh, developing world from actually uh, living a better life. Um, let's have a little listen uh, to um, a, a few, a few of, it's a, very, it's a very short clip from Boris Johnson about what he had to say uh, yesterday. If we don't get serious about climate change today, it will be too late for our children to do so tomorrow. So that's what he had to say. The United Nations General Secretary um, was rather more shall we say, exaggerated in his claims. This is what he had to say. We face a stark choice. Either we stop it or it stops us. And it's time to say enough. Enough of brutalizing biodiversity. Enough of killing ourselves with carbon. Enough of treating nature like a toilet. Enough of burning and drilling and mining our way deeper. We are digging our own graves. I mean, Bobby Friedman, I mean, these are extraordinarily hyperbolic statements. I mean, you think killing ourselves with carbon. Well, actually, you know, the and, and, and Boris Johnson's speech as well was also critical of, of the, you know, the invent of the locomotive engine. So, you know, and you think, not the locomotive, the, the, the combustion engine. I mean, I'm so sorry, but these are the things that have created immense wealth and health and longevity of life for the Western nations. The, the industrialization, the, the carbon, the, the burning, the drilling and the mining is the reason why we live to 70, 80, 90 and our children will live to 100. It's because of industrialization. This, I mean, it's almost like we, we are once again sort of wiping out history, pretending that everything we've done is wrong. Yes, and I don't, I don't think we need to beat ourselves up about this. I mean, of course, uh, the, we as humans didn't know uh, that there was such a thing as climate change. There wasn't really even the technology to know that there was such a thing as climate change back uh, when we invented the combustion engine. Well, I mean, there's always been climate change, just, just to flag that up. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I, I think we do, we, we must recognise that there is a problem. And I, I, and I think it is important that, 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 that world leaders grapple with that. There is a problem with climate change. It can have, uh, and can and will have very substantial effects on the world. So I, I support the fact that we, we're doing something about it. But what, what you want is something coming, is a process that doesn't just lead to empty promises or kicking the can mm. down the road. And I, and I think that that's the danger that we have with this conference. It's how, how do you bring the whole world together in, in a fair way of Well, you're not, of but, but you're not. I mean, China hasn't sent their leader. I mean, Modi's there with from India, obviously, but, um, but you know, the Russian leader, the, China, the Chinese leader, China in particular, I mean, they're, they're burning half of the world's coal at the moment. Um, but this thing, I don't, I don't accept the premise that it is a problem. I don't think that is proven at all. I don't think there's any scientific evidence that, that says that it is necessarily a problem. The ability of human beings to mitigate climate change, I think, is far greater than any problem it could possibly pose. And it's a question of the cost and benefits of trying to mitigate, of trying to prevent the climate change, if if indeed human beings are capable of doing so. That's still a big question mark, actually. Do we do we want to go back to living in the Stone Age? Um, and cutting out, you know, not not being able to travel, you know, I mean, it's been bad enough during you know, the last 18 months of having so much limitation on our lives. I don't think people will put up with it. I think people want to live a full life. I want people who, who currently live in, you know, mud huts and in the slums of Calcutta to to have the same quality of life that we have in the West. And and, and I think that a few, if, if, it, if it is the case that a few degrees extra temperature, global temperature is the cost of that, I think that's perfectly well worth the cost. And I'm sure we can, we're perfectly capable of mitigating some rising sea levels. The sea has been, the oceans have been rising for tens of thousands of years. They will continue to rise. We are perfectly capable of dealing with these things and adjusting. Man lives, you know, in the Arctic and in the desert and in the jungle and, and up mountains and by rivers. We are perfectly able to work around this, but but we need we need rich we need all the nations to be rich enough to be able to do so. So so enabling countries to develop will actually be the way we deal with climate change, as opposed to what is effectively right now what they, the plan is to stop other countries developing and stop us from from and stop us from living the lives we live right now. I don't think that that is a cost worth paying. I, th I think the the problem with that where, where I disagree with that is that these consequences can be you know, and will be catastrophic. There is, there is a scientific consensus uh, that climate change is happening, that climate change will have horribly adverse effects on the world. Now, no, you no, might there be, isn't. No, well, you might no, be no, right. no. The first I accept, there is, there is not consensus on the second. Well, I, I mean... There is uh, not. I, I, I think there is. We'll have to disagree on that. But but I don't think you can rely on just saying we'll come up with solutions. And I think you, you mentioned COVID. I think that gives a, a really good sense of black swan events. These events that are meant to, uh, are meant to happen almost never can and do happen. Mm. So just just because uh, something is everyone's is been predicting a worldwide pandemic. Of course, there was going to be a pandemic. I, I think it, it genuinely, we, if, if you and I had been having this discussion three years ago and I said to you, Julia, that all of the things that had happened over the past couple of years, uh, you would not have thought that that was going to happen. I would n never have. But, but I would they, never but they have weren't as a result of the happen. pandemic. They were a result of political choices. Well, maybe. But what I'm saying is that, that 
that deeply, deeply unlikely events or that things that seem so far out of the ordinary from what we expect of our daily lives can and do happen. We've seen one that's happened over the past couple of years. So I, I don't think we can just say that just because we've been fine in the past, things will be fine in the future. I, I, don't I, think they will I, I just think we've had from Thomas Malthus onwards, we have had predictions. We're going to be there's going to be too many people and humanity is going to be starved out. We're going to be burnt out. We're going to be frozen out. We're going to be drowned out. We're not going to be able to survive. We're not going to, be able to feed. Even 70 years ago, they were saying, you know, 50 years ago, we're not going to be able to feed the planet. Rubbish. We, we produce more food now on smaller amounts of land uh, than, than, than we ever did before. I, I just think these are these are hyperbolic, quasi-religious cultist um, scaremongering that actually has very little basis in any of the scientific facts. And if you actually look at the actual details of the, the scientific reports, they don't make a lot of these claims. This whole sort of code red for humanity, it's nowhere in the IPC reports. I mean, it seemed to me, I mean, people like the Queen last night, I mean, she she gave an address um, to, to, she obviously was unable to attend because of ill health, but she gave a video address, which was very moving and very touching, talking about Prince Philip and his concern about environmentalism. Um, and let's have a tiny little listen to her talking about, um, about how we, she hopes that everyone will have a chance to rise above these issues. I, for one, hope that this conference will be one of those rare occasions where everyone will have the chance to rise above the politics of the moment and achieve true statesmanship. Um, I, I realise there are a lot of people, they think this is very much above politics. I, given, given what will be required of us to achieve what the government has said, and although it's not party political because everyone's a Green Party now, I don't think there's any evidence that voters are all green and that they're signed up to any of this. And the polling actually suggests that, oh, they'll say, yes, I'm, 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 I'm in favour of you know, tackling this issue. But when you actually ask them what they're willing to do themselves, yeah, they're, they're really not. Um, I wonder whether this actually will turn out not to have been such a good move for the Queen. And actually, this isn't a, 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 an apolitical, above politics issue. And that actually tackling the issue of climate change is intensely uh, political decision. I, I certainly think you're right that when you, you ask a lot of people, what are you prepared to do? People aren't prepared to do that much. But I think that that's a different thing from thinking that the world should actually sort the climate problem. Uh, because there's an obvious difference. If, if I don't go on holiday this year, mm. that, that makes basically no difference. Yeah. It's not just because the plane's flying anyway but also because India and China are burning fossil fuels at a rate of not. So what difference does it make if I, if I decide to have two wet weeks in the southwest mm. instead of going off to Europe? So I understand that's why people are reluctant. But I don't think that's the same thing as people not thinking we, we've got a problem. I, and I think in, fa in fairness to the Queen, this is a global issue where you have leaders of all of the main, uh, at least all of the main Western nations, there agreed that we have to, mm. to deal with it. You have every major political party agreeing that we have to deal with it. Uh, I, I have to say, I do think we do need to deal with it. And that's why I, I think it is appropriate. Yes, I do accept this is sort of trespassing a little bit in, into politics. We have to be careful about how many occasions we roll out the Queen or yeah. uh, Prince William, because there's only so many times you can do it before they lose their effectiveness. But I think this is such a, a big issue. And you have to see from the 
from the way in which so many world leaders have, have turn, turned up. And I think it probably is appropriate. OK, well, let's also just talk just very briefly about Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. He's actually apologised, I believe quite rightly, uh, for having uh, made a... He's uh, unequivocally apologised for the words I used when trying to emphasise the gravity of the situation facing us at COP26. He said it's never right to make comparisons with the atrocities brought by the Nazis. And I'm sorry for the offence caused to Jews by these words. Uh, this is after Laura Kunzberg from the BBC reported that he had to, uh, told her that leaders will be cursed if they don't reach agreement in the next fortnight and suggested failure to act would possibly be worse even uh, than uh, a failure to uh, tackle the Nazis. I mean, an extraordinary comparison to make, isn't it? it, it it's utterly extraordinary. It's very, it's very offensive. I don't really understand how someone who's been in that kind of leadership role for that long could not realise that... I mean, that's just one of the things that you don't say. And if you've got half a brain, you realise that's one of the things that, that you, you don't say. I mean, we, we talk about the, the Queen being involved, and I, I think she provides this kind of moral leadership. Mm. I'm not really sure why the Archbishop of Canterbury is... is oh, everyone's... Involved, I, I mean, everyone's up there. I mean, former Prime Ministers, former... I mean, every, everyone is in on this shindig. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.